thrones before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Then Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit. Where we take a look at the issues of the day, both in and out of the church, via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. Our prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. of the sword and the spirit. Today we're going to deal with what is the essence of Christianity? What is all this Christian life about? I mean, what's the point, right? And one of the young people said to me one time, they said, man, it seems like you spend your whole life trying to, just to prepare for the afterlife. And yes, if you're going to prepare for the afterlife, now would be the time to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. And You'll be ready. At least the process begins. But that does not now mean we can't do some living while we're here in this world as well. Um, Definitely God has called us to be able to enjoy the world. God made the world so beautiful. So if you want to go hiking in the mountains, enjoy the natural beauty that the earth has. Um, You know, white water rafting, camping, whatever you want to do, uh, you know, went on safari, etc., and you look at the animals and God's creation and how amazing it is, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Or just enjoying life in general, going to a movie or going out to eat. God gave us the ability to taste food so we can appreciate cuisine. Um, we can appreciate art, beauty, things of those natures. So those are natural things God has given to us and blessed us with as natural gifts. And certainly you can enjoy them, okay? So God's not a cosmic killjoy. Right. The Bible says God has given to us richly all things to enjoy. So, yes, we can enjoy. But when we talk about what is the Christian life, because there's so much nonsense out here. And again, I, I try to deal with the nonsense itself. It doesn't matter who says it. If I tell you what the nonsense is, then you'll recognize it when people start throwing it out at you. Um, but yes, you know, so I don't have to give names because there's a whole, if I started naming names, the only reason why I don't, I try not to do that. Because if you start naming names, you got a whole long list of people that you could, that they could put on there. And I would never get to the end of it because there's more on that negative side than there is actually on the, on, on the positive side. So it's just best to deal with the issues, the teachings, and make sure that we get the Bible right. So today we're going to try to look a little bit at what the essence of the Christian life is about. What's the whole point? Uh, what is God getting at here? What is what is it that God wants? Um, you know, the idea, I was watching one video where if you give a certain amount of money, God's going to bless you and open up your businesses and everything else like that. And, and I was like, that's not Bible you know, uh, or that's a mischaracterization of the Bible, you know, so God says, you do something for me, then I'll do something for you, pro quid pro. Um, yeah, it doesn't quite work like that. Because if that was the case, then people who have served God should, you know, everybody should be getting something, but it doesn't quite work that way. Life doesn't work that way. And just because you give something to God does not now mean all of a sudden God is obligated to do a whole lot of stuff for us. God doesn't owe me anything. And God can do whatever he wants. Now, would I like God to bless me? Sure. Would I like God to bless you financially? You better believe it. Um, you know, uh, I want God to keep to continue to keep me in good health? Absolutely. I want to stay around in this, in this life as long as I possibly can in good health so I have a good quality of life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you know, and at the same time, do you want to be with the Lord in heaven? Yeah, both can be true at the same time. Um, somebody once said, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Well, if you have to die to get there, you know, why, you know, what's the problem? Um, you know, but again, you can enjoy this life and, that, and that's the issue and as much as you can. Uh, without violating the laws of God. And at the sec same token, when death comes, and it will come, you're ready to go at the proper time, and you be prepared. So you can do both at the same time. It's like walking and chewing gum. All right, so let's get to it. What is the essence of the Christian life? What is it all about? There's a uh, book out called the Westminster Catechism. It's, it's old. It's been around for a long time. But in the Westminster Catechism, uh, the first chapter, the opening salvo, and the, 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 the first question is asked is, what is the chief end of man? Because if you don't get that question right, everything else you do in the Christian life is going to be a waste of time. So we got to try to understand what is the point here? What is it? Why did God make us in the first place? Uh, to what end uh, was man created? And once we establish what the general purposes of all mankind, see, is it, it's not an individual purpose. People are running around, I want my purpose. What's my destiny? What's my calling? And as if though somehow I have something unique to, to you know, a little different than everybody else. And yes, there are there's, there is a specific calling or vocation that God may call you to, or God has gifted you in that you can do, uh, which is fine. And you should do that with all your might to the glory of God. Absolutely. But instead of asking the question, what, why has God made me? Why has God made man? If you honest, if you start there and then you work your way from general, then you can work your way to specific. But if you try to be specific, you're going to, you're going to get all discombobulated and end up in the wrong direction because whatever specific thing God has called you to, it must align itself with a general call to all mankind. The Westminster Catechism, to me, does the best job of answering that question. Um, and uh, it says, the first question it asks, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? That's how the book opens up. What is the chief end of man? Because if you start there, you'll have the answers that you need for life. Now, here's the answer. The chief end of man is twofold. One, to glorify God. And two, to enjoy his presence forever. Psalm 1611 says, at God's right hand is full, in God's presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And let me look that up to make sure that I got it right, but I believe it is. Psalm 16, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I think that's one of the things that we that we miss is that God has created us to enjoy him. Wow. I'd like to see a sermon on how to how do how do you enjoy God? What does that mean? You know, um yeah. <laughs> because we're not taught how to delight ourselves in the Lord and how to enjoy God's presence. Um, we're going to take a closer look at that uh, in, in the study. But for right now, I just want to throw that out there. But the chief end of man is to glorify God. We all kind of get that sense of glorifying God. But it's also to enjoy him forever. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. Wow. Okay. Yes, I was correct. Psalm 1611, it reads as thus. And let me get my reader out here for you. I like where Kristen Getty reads here. All right, Kristen, what does it say? You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So God, God has come to show us the path of life. And on that path, there's the presence of God. And in that, in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. And there are pleasures forevermore. 
So you thought God was a cosmic killjoy, that you can't have any pleasure in life. Everything has to be foot sore and weary worn. You know, remember the old Pentecostal church, and the women had to, couldn't wear no makeup. They had to have their dress dragging on the floor uh, in order to be holy. You know, they pray with their head covered and and uh, no open-toed shoes and no lipstick. And men couldn't, you couldn't wear, men and women could not wear bright colors or that were festive or, or you know, sort of carnival-esque type colors, beautiful pastels or blues and things like that. So you had to wear keep wearing these dark suits and these white shirts and and I know one sister she would just come to church and just dress in white all the time just had to wear white because in her mind that was a, an idea and that was a false idea of what holiness was about and really by the way it has no, none of those things I just mentioned has anything to do with holiness it's a lame attempt of trying to keep yourself saved. So the essence of the Christian life or the Christian faith has everything to do with glorifying God and enjoying his presence. That's it. There it is. We live to glorify God and we enjoy his presence. We enjoy being with God. You know, when you love someone, you know, you, you have joy when you see them. I remember when as a small young man, you know, somebody said, oh, dad's home. And we'd all rush to the door and jump on top of him, you know, because we we're so glad to see him. Dad's come home. You know, it was exciting, you know, when you're, when you're that age, you know, when you're four or five years old, you know, doesn't take much to get you excited. Um, but when you love someone, you're happy to see them. Or you haven't seen them in a while, you know, I'd go see my cousins or something like, oh, my God, I'd be so happy to see them or... Uh, your uncle's coming down for the summer, and man, you know, can we go to the airport? Can we please pick him up? You know, I wanted us to be the ones to go pick him up from the airport, you know, because it was just so happy to see him, you know, and my cousins. Um, that's what I mean by enjoying, and the person's presence, the person, you know, you don't even have to have, be having a conversation with them. Just the fact that they're there, you have a good feeling. You feel great because, oh, man, you know, so-and-so is here. Um, and that's how it is. That's how it should be with God. We should be excited about having that quality time with the Lord and spending time with him. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But first, I want to go back to this thing about um, glorifying God. So we got to understand what the essence of the Christian life is. In, in Romans, in the book of Romans, just look at a couple of scriptures here. I want to set the stage here for this. It's very important that we uh, that we get this done here well. But if you go back to the book of Romans, probably Romans 3. Here we go. I'm, I'm looking them up on purpose this time. Because I want to read this to you in your hearing so that you get it. You're riveted in your mind. Romans 3. And verse 23. Well, let's, let's start right here at verse, uh, at verse 10 of Romans chapter 3. Uh, let's look at 10, 11, and 12. 10, 11, and 12. Let's see what that says. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Wow. Okay. So that's the problem right now with humanity. No one does good, not even one. None of us here can say that we deserve to be saved. I love these songs that come out, you know. God saw something in me. He saw the best in me. He saw something in me. And there was something in me of value that God came and got me. God knew, you know, the devil was trying, the devil's afraid of me because I've got God in me. And so now the devil's scared and because there's something in me. And, and God also recognizes something in me. So God and the devil are fighting over me because there's something in me. Just put that out of your head. The Bible says, we just read it. 
There is none that does good. No, not one. There's, inherently within ourselves, there is nothing good. The Apostle Paul says, in my flesh, there dwells no good thing. Brother Ryman, you say we don't have worth and we have we don't have value. Of course, as human beings, we have worth and we do have value as human beings. But that value and that worth as human beings is not sufficient for God to come and save us. For God to look at it and say, well, you know, they have value and worth, so I'm going to save them. That's not sufficient. So while we have value and worth, we, in God's economy, that does not now make us worthy of salvation. Got it? We have value and worth as human beings. Yes, we carry the Imago Dei, the image of God, likeness of God inside of us. And so that gives us value as human beings. God does not want us killing each other and harming each other and, and violating one another. Uh, God's not down with that. But now because of those qualities that we I just mentioned to you, does that now mean that we are now qualified for salvation? And the answer is no. How do you know? Because a lot of people are in hell right now. And uh, with all their value and their worth and all their human potential, what they could or could not have done, they're in hell right now. I have to stay hydrated. This room is a little warm. Uh, yeah. No, no, saints. Uh, this is, in, the, the Apostle Paul said, in my flesh it dwells no good thing. Now let's scroll down here a little bit. And let's go down here to verse uh, 23. Let's see what it says. Let's start here at verse 21. And to 23. Romans, still in Romans, the third chapter. And we go from 21 to 23. So let's take a look at that. Where are you at? You're with me, Kirsten? All right, here she is. All right, Kurt. Kristen. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So there is no distinction, it says, in the end of verse 22, and then it flows right into verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Okay, so we have nothing in our lives that qualify us to be saved. Now, let's go here to Romans 6, and I'm going somewhere with this, so hang in there. Romans 6, 23. You got, you had 3.23, now you got 6.23. Okay, let's go up here. And uh, let's talk about the wages. Here we go. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There it is. Man has so fallen. Everybody has sinned before God. I have sinned. You have sinned. Nobody on this planet has can claim that they've never been touched by the power of sin. Okay? Doomed from the womb, so to speak. Born in sin, shaping in iniquity. Because as an Adam, all sin. So therefore, God, when Adam sinned, his sin passed all the way down to the rest of us. No one is exempt from this. I know this isn't some deep teaching, but this is what Christianity really is. You want to teaching master classes on secrets to prayer and, and how to touch the heavenlies. And God showed me, so I went to heaven. God showed me some secrets that I can give to you. Unlock power and pro It's a bunch of cons. Stop spending your money for the nonsense. Stop wasting your time. Save your money. Take a nice vacation to the U.S. Virgin Islands. And I'm partial to that because that's my home. All right. So take a take a nice trip to the U.S. Virgin Islands. Go to Puerto Rico, place of my birth. Go someplace nice like that and enjoy yourself. 
save your money. Stop. They they have no secrets for you. That's number one. Number two, they can't save you or do anything for you. And the and the person you need to go to is the Christ. And he and 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 he's not charging you any any money. How do you know? Okay, let's look at the prophet Isaiah. Let's see what Isaiah had to say about this. These people charging you money for stuff. You know, it's one thing if if it's a ministry and you want to do a free will offering, that's fine. But don't con me, man. Stop telling me that if I have to, if I give you, if you give me some money, God's going to do something. You give me some money, I'll just be richer. Thank you very much. I ain't mad about it. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? But I'm not going to con you out of it. That's just your choice to make that decision to do so. All right? As a free will offering, that's your business and your choice. But I'm not going to promise you something in return that God's going to do some sort of great thing for you. I don't know what God's going to do for you. Okay? Um, and neither the people who are receiving money yeah, the other ways as well. But they make up these con games and these lies to tell you that somehow if you give to them, God is now going to do something magnificent for you. Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money, and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me, hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the Amen. So Isaiah says, why are you laboring and spending your money for bread and wine that doesn't do you any good? He said, if you're thirsty, come to me. And I, he said, you'll buy wine and bread from me without money and without price. Freely given. Stop letting people con you and saying if you give a thousand dollars to me, God's gonna give you a, give you open up your business. It's a lie. It's a con, and they're just taking your money. What God has to offer you is free. It's without money and without price. It is salvation, is what He wants to give us, because that's what the Christian life is about. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, restoring the world to Himself. It's about reconciliation to Christ, not this nonsense you got going on out here. Uh, you know, this clown show where people promise you some sort of esoteric, hidden, secret knowledge heretofore not before realized. Just buy my book and you'll get the secrets. I remember when I was first year in Bible college, I went to the bookstore and I saw this book, A Daily Guide to Miracles. Oh, what? I was like, oh, man, that's what I need. You know, because I wanted to do some of that supernatural stuff, right? I mean, that's all. I'm going into ministry. I'm, I'm training to be a minister and a missionary. So, you know, I got to be able to lay hands on people, healing. So I wonder how these guys do it. So maybe I'll get the secrets out of here. So I, I, I bought the book, A Daily Guide to Miracles, and it just turned out to be a devotional. I, I did not get a daily. I did not get a miracle a day. It, it didn't help. Nice devotional, but that was all it was. Then I saw another book. Oh, The Secret of Prayer. And so I went and I bought The Secret of Prayer, and I read through the whole book. And when I was done, The Secret of Praying was still a secret. I still didn't know what it was. To this day, I still don't know what that said alleged secret is. Stop letting these people con you. It's a lot of nice-sounding things, you know. You know, when you're praying tongues, that means the devil can't, can't hear what you're saying. Well, first of all, if I'm talking to God, what difference does it make whether the devil hears me or not? Because if God answers, there's nothing the devil can do about it. So, so what? What's he going to do? I mean, he's, he's not he's not God. He's a created being. He's finite. He might have some power, but he's limited. He doesn't have all power. God has all power. Uh, and by the way, the devil was in heaven, so I don't care what language you're praying. I'm pretty sure he knows that language. So, yeah. You don't need a secret prayer language. That's nonsense. Um, anyway, but that's another podcast on prayer. It, it's not as complicated as people make it out to be. And I, I'll teach you on that. I'll show you what the Bible says about intercession and, and it'll be free and it won't cost you a dime. And it'll be biblical. 
and what the, what the Bible actually teaches. So what is the chief end of man? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and so now God has sent Christ into the world to reconcile us to him. We were not worthy. By must not, and by being worthy, I mean we were not worthy to be restored to God on our own. We just couldn't do it. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He says in John 3, 16. So God, motivated by love for man, for his creation and for mankind, sent his son to die for us. Uh, hence that psalm uh, Amy Grant had out. Uh, I love it. It's called Saved by Love. Nothing I could do, nothing I could say. I couldn't help. But I'm saved by love. Salvation is 100% an act of God. We have little or nothing to do with it. Yes, we respond to the, the, when the Holy Spirit comes to us and convicts us of sin and righteous, righteousness and judgment. Yes, we respond to the Holy Spirit. But even that response, God has to free our will so that we can do it. If God doesn't free our will, we won't be able to make that, that choice. So yes, the Holy Spirit works, but he, and that's what we mean by, by salvation is a work of God. God makes the first move. And then when God makes that move, we respond in faith because God gives you the gift of faith and the ability to, to hear his voice and then you come to him. It's all 100% the work of God. So you can't brag, you can't boast, you can't claim some great anything. It's just what God has done in Christ. Now, what I'm going to do here at this point, I'm going to we're going to go through the five solas, the five basic principles of the Reformation, uh, which I adhere to 100%. Um, I use those five five uh, basic principles. Or five solas, sola Latin for meaning alone, like a solo act when you're singing solo, you're by yourself. Um, it's the root of the word. There are five principles that stand up by themselves. And uh, like I said, you know, the five solas. And that's why you see on my podcast, on the logo, it says sola, meaning one. That's in reference to those five solas uh, that are essential in our salvation why are you saying this brother ryan because that's the essential of the christian life that's what it's about it's not about supernatural debt cancellation christian life is not about you're getting your stuff the christian life is not about uh habitually casting out demons every week there's a new you got possessed by a new demon that doesn't mean make any sense what kind of life is that i gotta spend my entire life Getting demons cast out of me. That's not living, people. That's, what, that's that's a doggone nightmare. Every week, I can't have any peace of mind. So that if I lust, if I get angry, if I sin, it's a demon, and then I got to run back to this guy and pay I don't know how much more money in an offering to get these alleged demons cast out of me. Until next week, you know. So like that hip hop song. Until the next episode. Then I'm back there again next week. Oh, you got a demon. Oh, you got a demon. No, it's another demon. That's not living. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it that more abundantly. An abundant life is a life of peace and tranquility because you're in, you're in right standing with God. That's the abundant life. That's living. So that every time something goes wrong, you're like, you have to, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Did I sin? Is that why God's making this happen to me? I must have done something wrong. The ninth chapter of John, when the, the man that was born blind and the apostle said to Jesus, who sinned that he was born blind? It was, it was, his, his, was it him or his parents why he was born blind? Because some say if you have something wrong with you, it had to be something your parents did or maybe something you did. But the only time something bad could happen to you, at least for most people in the ancient world, even with Job, when Job was going through what he was going through, they kept telling Job he must have had some secrets in you. must have done something wrong that you got to repent of why God allowed this tragedy to come to you. Meantime, Job hadn't done anything. Done anything at all. So, Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents, but that the works of God can be made manifest in him. Sometimes it's just God just wants to manifest his power. It doesn't mean you've done anything. 
to deserve whatever it is that you're going through. But people will tell you that, and before you know it, you know, you, you spend your whole Christian life trying to avoid doing something wrong so just so that you won't be cursed with a curse. And I tell you that's, you know, that Deuteronomy 20 is old covenant and it does not apply to us. I mean, you can live under it if you want, I suppose. But um, bad idea. Really, really bad idea. All right. What are the five solas? Number one, the just shall live by faith. Faith alone. Faith alone. Faith alone. For the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That's Ephesians 2, verses 9 and 10. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is no work that you can do to save yourself. Nothing. I don't care how many mission trips you take. I don't care how many sermons you preach. I don't care how many people you lead to the Lord. I don't care how many people you fed. I don't care how many people you clothed. I don't care how many people you visited in prison. None of those things are going to save you. There is no work that you can do that will endear you to God. Nothing. In the sixth chapter of John, the people said to Jesus, what must we do to work the works of God? And Jesus said, here is how you work the works of God. Believe on the one whom he has sent. There's faith, and then the object of your faith is in Christ. Faith in Christ. That's the first thing. Faith in Christ. That's where our salvation is at. You believe in him. It, they're asking for a work. What, what must we do? Jesus says, the only thing I want you to do is believe. Believe on him. Believe on me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. Without the way, there's no going. You don't know how to get where you're going unless you know the way. He is the truth. Without the truth, there is no knowing. If you don't have the truth of God in your life and your heart to know how to be saved, you won't get saved because you don't know how to get saved. And so the Holy Spirit reveals that to you. Jesus is the way, the truth. He is the life. Without the life, there can be no growing. There can be no spiritual growth in your life because it starts with you. you got to have life first. That zygote grows into a human being. Sperm meets egg, and all of a sudden, life, and it starts to grow. Up until that point, nothing was growing. But now you got something growing on the inside of you. The female has something growing on the inside of her because life has been given. The way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way. That's external, outside of ourselves. There's, you cannot look within yourself. This is not Jiminy Cricket, Disney uh, philosophy where you, you, know, you wish upon a star and you look within yourself. You know, it's always for this from within. The answers are within, within you, from within you, within you. You have the answer within. That's Eastern mysticism. That's Eastern philosophy. The Bible says Christ is the way that means outside of us. There is no salvation. He's on the outside of us. He's the way. He's external. And so the way to salvation is outside of us. You cannot look within yourself and find the way of salvation. You're just not going to find it. It's external. It's outside of us. It's only found in Christ. And he, he is the truth that is, that is internal. He is the truth. The way is external. The truth is internal. That means God puts his truth on the inside of us. In the Ezekiel, he says that the 28th chapter, he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Then I will take away the heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And then I'll write my laws. That's the truth that's internal. So now God gives you a heart of flesh and he writes his laws upon you. And then he puts his spirit within you. And then when the Holy Spirit gets inside of you and the laws of God are written on a, on a, on a heart of flesh, he says, then I will cause you to walk in my ways and you'll be, be obedient to my statutes. It's an act of God. It's a divine act, an operation, a heart operation that God has to take his truth and put it on the inside of us. It has to be internalized. How do I know? Psalms 51 says, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the inner parts it made me to know wisdom. So God has to plant his truth on the inside. 
So the way is external. The truth of God, he, he, he helps us to internalize that truth. And then he is a life that is eternal. You're getting eternal life, saints. Not just everlasting. Everlasting life. Like now, I was born in, I was born in, 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 in 1959. So I had a beginning date. We all had a starting date here. And then we get then when we get saved, we receive everlasting life. That means that you're born here and you, your life continues on. You, you you don't you don't die, so to speak. No, that's different than eternal life. Eternal life, eternity goes in two directions. That means you re, you're receiving a life that has had no beginning and that it has no end. There was no start date. Would God is just was always been here. That's just the way it is. He, He's the uncaused cause, right? He's the one who set everything in motion. You only have two possibilities. Either the universe has always been here or God has always been here. And since we're Christians and we believe that God created the universe, therefore God has always been here. And then the universe and everything else was created uh, later on at his pleasure. So that's the kind of life God wants us to have. So when you get saved and you re- and the, 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 then God... You get the new birth, and God rebirths you on the on the in, internally. You get a life on the inside of you that's eternal. It has no beginning and no end. Wow, look at that! This is what I'm talking about. This is the, what everything I just said now is the essence of the Christian life. That's it. Stop adding things to it. So the just shall live by faith. Faith in Christ, not faith in faith. Not in a faith that just says, I believe and doesn't affect the way you change. Because saving faith will always affect the way that you change, that you live. You will change your behavior if you have saving faith. If you, if you say you have faith and you doesn't change your behavior, then you have a devil's faith, which doesn't change anyone. You just The devils also believe and tremble, but it doesn't change them. did not transform by it. But saving faith is something that God gives you. And as you respond to the saving faith that God gives you, you now put your faith in Christ. That's where your faith lies. He's the object. You have to have an object of your faith. It's not faith in faith. It's faith. It's not faith sitting out there by itself. Faith has to have an object, and the object is Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about. So that's what saves us. For by faith alone, and then grace alone. Go back to Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And ten for by grace you are you have been saved is the gift of God not of works lest any man shall boast so by grace you have been saved through faith so now you have grace grace is the power to live the way God wants us to grace is the power to accept Christ as Lord and Savior and Master think of 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 uh, as faith as the copper wire and grace as the electricity to run through the copper wire so faith. Putting our faith in Christ brings us the grace of God. And we receive God's grace. But look what it also says in verse 10. For by grace you have been saved, through faith is the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. And then verse 10 says, but we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Saving faith, if you have the grace of God, and if you have this, the faith, if you have faith in Christ, and you have God's grace, on your life for salvation we're talking about for salvation now those two things grace and faith will produce good works but hear it but those good works that we do as believers has no merit towards our salvation let me say that again the combination of of faith in christ and receiving the grace of god for salvation will produce good works that's, what, that's the evidence. I can't, that's what James said, uh, you know, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my words. James was not fighting with the Apostle Paul and said, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You got to have works too. No, he's saying, what James is saying is what Paul is saying. If you are saved, if you have saving faith in Christ, if you genuinely have received the grace of God, you will begin to do good works. Period. Full stop. End of story. But those good works have no merit towards your salvation. You're not doing these good works to be saved. 
You're doing good works because you are saved. I do not trust in any good works. I've done, I've worked in ministry with drug addicts and alcoholics. I've done street preaching. I've done feeding programs. I've done missionary work and uh, involved in helping some church planting. And and I, I can run down a list of good, good works, quote unquote, that I've done. But guess what? Nothing that I've done in my 53 years of salvation, no good work that I have ever done has any merit towards my salvation. If I had never done any of those things, I would be just as saved today as I was back when I got saved at the age of 10. I do not trust or put any confidence in any good work. I do good works, and we're going to get to that in a minute. There's a motivation for doing good works, but it's not, it's not for our salvation. You're already saved. And yes, there are rewards, but I'm not going to talk about that today. But yes, we do get rewards. But it has nothing to do with our salvation. It does not save you. Corinthians, Paul says, every man's work shall be tried by fire. Some works that people do is wood, hay, and stubble. And others are gold, silver, and precious stone. Now, the man with the wood, hay, and stubble, it says his works will be, his works will be destroyed. But He'll still be saved, yet as by fire. He doesn't lose his salvation. Just his works don't mean anything. Wood and stubble. they above the ground. Everybody sees them. Gold, silver, precious stones. They're below the ground. Nobody sees it. The greatest works that Christians do is the ones that's not seen, as opposed to the ones that are seen. Amen. And amen. Well, next one on that list is Christ alone. Christ alone. For by grace you have been saved through faith, is the gift of God, not lest any man should boast. And yes, as believers, we need to do good works for God. Like I said, whether it be in the prisons, in some cases, whether you're doing an usher, better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than rather than to be or dwell in the tents of the wicked, David said. Um, we should be doing good works as believers. We can donate to St. Jude's Hospital. That was a good work. You can donate to missionaries around the world. I can give you two right now, uh, Dave and Pam Lovett. I interviewed them uh, on my podcast from Kickapoo to Kathmandu. And I interviewed them, and uh, they're very much well worth supporting through the godless people I've known over 30-plus years, and they're good people. Or Val Eliason. I interviewed her. She was my first person I interviewed on this podcast, uh, Mars Hill Project. I interviewed her, and she um, has a powerful, powerful ministry to the LGBTQ community as well. In fact, I'm going to try to get her back on again. Um, also, in addition to that, um, there's Dawn Hill. I recommend her. I, I interviewed her. Uh, it says Conversation with Dawn Hill. Scroll down, find that one on, on Spotify. Oh, this is you find on Spotify. Go to Sword and Spirit and just scroll down and see my conversation or listen to my conversation with Dawn Hill. And the love subscribe. She also is a fellow podcaster and has her own podcast on Spotify called the Love Subscribe. Excellent stuff. She's a tremendous researcher, has some really good materials and good things that you can get out of it. Um, and there's also uh, Sir Walter Jones. I uh, like his podcast as well. And he's on YouTube. You can go and find him on YouTube. So, and then God willing, when I get my website set up, I'll be probably putting, posting some other ministries that are, that are well worth listening to. So you want you don't want, you know time is a precious commodity. You don't want if you're going to listen to some preaching or get into the word, you want to get something that's going to be beneficial, and not something that's going to be way out there. So you you don't want to you know waste your time on things that don't really matter. Um. So those are those are some of the really great podcasts that I would highly recommend. Now let me say this. Uh, everybody that I recommended is human. That means they're not perfect. They make mistakes. And uh, so please don't write me and say, oh, so-and-so, you know, you said this, this, and this. Yeah, I said it, but I didn't say they were perfect. Oh, wait, I'm not perfect either. 
Okay. You hang around with anybody long enough, you're going to find flaws. Okay. That, that, that's going to happen. Um, but the people you don't want to support are the hucksters and money changers, the ones that are running the con games, the ones that are promising you things that God didn't say he was going to do. Uh, and just won't simply just teach you the word of God. That's what you really want. You want to get someplace that just teach me the word of God. You know, all the other stuff God will, God will bring into 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 uh, into place. Okay, so salvation is in Christ alone. And what does that mean? That means we don't go to anybody else for salvation but Christ. There is no apostle. There is no prophet. You know, when these people come to you and these prophets say to you things like, oh, uh, I heard one prophet say, you know, talk to me and I'll go talk to God on your behalf because God speaks to me. Well, who's this guy I think he is? Moses? Listen, saints. I, I say this as nice as I possibly can. As best as I possibly can. There is one mediator. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Hebrew says that we all have access. We can come boldly before the throne of grace, before the throne of God and find grace to help. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, because of Christ alone, we all have direct access to the Father through Christ. And we all have direct access to Christ. We can go directly to him. And then we have the Holy Spirit to help us to pray. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to come to me a pastor, an apostle, a prophet, or nobody else for the things that you need in Christ. You have direct access yourself. Just a matter of getting off your butt, getting some quality time with the Lord, and praying and seeking God's face on your own. Now, the only time the Bible suggests that we go to the elders or the leaders, he said, if any is afflicted, let him pray. But if you're sick, you call for the elders of the church. They anoint you with oil and the prayer of faith will be prayed over you and if you committed any sins not always a sin but sometimes it might be you will be forgiven and the prayer of faith will heal the sick that's the biblical prescription okay so other than that it's in christ alone even there you're still coming to christ you're just following his prescription that's all but in christ alone is our salvation and Christ alone is our help and our strength. I don't put a confidence in anyone else. You hear me out here teaching and preaching. You fact check me. You go open your Bible and see if it's so. If it ain't so, then just chalk it up to, okay, he missed it. He missed it on that point. And just keep it moving. But it's very important that we look to Christ and Christ alone for our salvation. No one else. Do not put your confidence and faith in it. I love my church. I love my pastor. I love the people of God in the church. You know, if God willing, I mean, there's practically nothing on there I wouldn't do for them if they needed it and I had the means to help them. It would be automatic. I wouldn't even hesitate. You wouldn't have to call a prayer line. I'd be right there like, okay, I got that. Just take, take mine. Take this. Okay? That's how I roll. But I don't put any confidence in any of my leaders or anyone else for my salvation but in Christ. And I have leaders that wouldn't at, would never ask me to do something like that. And they point, like me, they point everybody to Christ. So if you've got a church where, you know, the, the pastor wants to be worshipped just like Jesus, run, get away. Get out of there. Uh, you, you know, not not cool. The next thing is Christ alone, is scriptures alone, the Holy Scriptures alone. The final court of arbitration is the, is the Holy Bible, 66 books. Might I recommend a few Bibles here, translations for you, the ESV and the NASV, New American Standard and English Standard Version are probably the two most accurate word-for-word um, -word translations. The New International Version is, is a dynamic equivalent. Which means it's more it's not word for word translation, it's done by concepts or ideas. And gives you the concept or the sense of the of what the particular verse might mean. And that's the most accurate one for a dynamic equivalent. The RSV is good. King James has stood the test of time. I love the King James. I still study out of it because it's very poetic, the poetry of it. And in addition to that, you can get a new King James. 
two Bibles you shouldn't get. Don't do not get the Passion Translation. I'm gonna I'll probably go over it one day on translations, and and we'll talk about the different reasons why we have the translations and how the Bible, how we got the Bible in the first place, and why is it 66 books and not 72, um, etc. And what about these so-called books of the Bible that's supposed to be out here? We're gonna deal with all of that, but not today. I just want you to know that the 66 that you have in your hand is sufficient. Christ alone. If you go to a church and that guy gets in the pulpit, the pastor, whoever it is, gets in the pulpit, and the Bible is closed and he, they never open it, and the first thing they say is, let me tell you what the Lord showed me last night. Red flag it. But don't run out the door just yet. Just red flag it. And see if they ever get to the Bible. Now, if they do that and they never open the Bible, and it's all, yeah, I say unto thee, or God showed me, God spoke to me. I went, I took a trip to heaven, I took a trip to hell. The angel came and visited me last night. Any of that kind of nonsense, get out of there, run. Get as far away from them as you possibly can. You want to go to a church. When they get in the pulpit, the first thing you want to hear is, turn with me in your Bibles too. I'll say that again. The first thing you want to hear is turn with me in your Bibles too. If they're not doing that, run, get out of there. You're wasting your time. Take a trip to the Virgin Islands or Puerto Rico, U.S. Virgin Islands or Puerto Rico. And yes, like I said, I'm biased for obvious reasons. But save your money. Take a trip somewhere. Take a nice vacation or whatever. Stop giving your money to these people who are running con games and lying to you and telling you if you give me $1,000, God's going to do something for your ministry. And God's going to give you your business. God's going to give you that dream. And as soon as you bless me now, therefore now God is going to do something for you. It's a lie. And you're just burning through your cash. That's all you're doing. So that's one of the things I want you to look at. Also, if you want to understand how to interpret the Bible properly, I, there are two podcasts I did on that. One is with Pastor Chad Mansbridge, pastor out of Australia. He wrote a book called You Can Handle the Truth. I recommend that you get it. It's a nice piece of writing, and it will help you to understand the Bible properly. And then the other one I did is a starter kit. I'm probably going to do some more advanced stuff on some, some hermeneutics here in a little bit. But... Um, it's a starter kit for studying I'm saying the Bible, and it's called How to Sharpen Your Sword. How to Sharpen Your Sword. And it, I give you some tips on how to uh, do some really good Bible study. Uh, now, again, both of those are very good, but if you're not going to put in the work, then it won't help you. If you're lazy, well, you're going to have a problem. And people will be fooling you forever, and you'll never really get to know the truth that's in God's Word. So, again, uh, that's what you want to do. And last but not least, Sole de la Gloria, for the glory of God alone. This is where I really wanted to get to. I started out by asking, what is the essence of the Christian life? What is Christianity all about? What's the point? And I said, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy his presence forever. When you glorify God, the end result of that is going to be you'll begin to enjoy God. But we're here to glorify God. And you've heard me read this several times, and we're probably going to do something on the church fathers, you know, Augustine, Aquinas, and some of the others, uh, Tertullian, Polycarp, that first century church. I'm, I'm working on some things now where we can do a Bible study on the uh, early church fathers, and I'll probably have some other guests that come on and, and talk about it as well with me. So it's going to take a little bit of doing. Just pray to, pray to God that I get the time. I get the time. And I always say, Lord, now when I say get the time, I don't want to be in the hospital. That's not what I mean. It's my idea of getting some time. But nonetheless, it's whatever God wills. Uh, no, God's not, God's, not, God's not sadistic like that. He heals what we mean. But, yeah, Lord, I need some time because I need some time to work on putting some of these podcasts together so we can do an A1 job. We're going to we're gonna level this thing up here in a little bit um, as soon as I get the money that I need for my LLC and then also to get my website and everything going. Um, you know, then eventually, yes, we are going on YouTube and 
Um, but that's going to be about a minute here. So hopefully, God willing, if God spares my life and he's merciful to me, by the end of the year, we will. that's where we will be at. Um, so we want to keep that in mind. But let's talk about glorifying God. This is from the book, what, an excerpt from the book City of God by St. Augustine, a North African brother who's not European, who set the tone. They said he's the greatest theologian for the church since the Apostle Paul. That's what, he, that's what people say, those who study these types of things. All right, let's look at this. This is from the book City of God, and I've read it before I'm reading it again. Accordingly, two cities have been formed by two loves. There's the world, the earthly by the love of self. The world loves itself. The unregenerate people, those who don't know God. What do they say? I'm looking out for number one, right? It's a doggy dog world out there, and I'm looking out for number one, me. Everybody else takes a back seat. I'm looking out for me and mine. And in a sense, there's a truth in, in a sense of where you have to do that. You got to look out for your interests of yourself and your family. And you have, sometimes when you're making decisions, you, you, you should do what's in the best interest of you and your, your children and your wife, etc. I get that. But when your interests intersect God's interests and there's a conflict, your interests and your family's interests take the backseat and God's interests take first place. But the world just lives to please itself and that's it. I'm pleasing me, everybody else, out of luck, don't care. This is all about me. You see it in the way people drive, people cut you off. They're not courteous, they won't let you come in. You know, they know that you want to come over, but I'm not going to let you come over because it's about me. You know, I have to cut in front of you, me. Yeah, you know, I always notice it, you know, as a truck driver, I put on my signal light, signaling I'm going to make it come into the left lane. And the guy behind me sees my signal light. You think he'd let me move over and then pass me on the right-hand side? No. He makes sure he gets in that left lane before I do, and he's going to pass me before I can even move. Knowing good enough for well, that's, that's the lane I wanted to move over to. Only to have to come come around my left and then cut cut me off to get back into the right lane to get off their exit. When all they had to do was let me move and they could have got off the exit. But, you know, hey, let's live dangerously, right? But that's the world. It's self-centered. It's me first. I used to say that you shouldn't be selfish, but sometimes you do have to be selfish um, to look out for your interests. There are times when, yes, you have to do that. And you'll know the difference. God, the Holy Spirit will show you when to do what. But we shouldn't christian cannot live a self-centered life we don't live to please ourselves that's not our first shouldn't be your first instinct is to please yourself we live to please god the earthly by the love of self even to the contempt of god see what i'm saying they love self but not just love themselves but they just had even god can't take first place with these people but the heavenly city by the love of god even to the contempt of self we love god so much that if any, you know, we, we will die if necessary, if that's what it takes to glorify God, if that's what it has to be. Now, make sure that's what you're doing. Because dying just for the sake of dying makes no sense. You're not going to get any glory out of that. But if it's for the glory of God, and if it's going to give God honor, then so so be it. In the world, it the world glories in itself. But as believers, we glory in the Lord. Uh, I think I uh, uh, Jeremiah 29 the 29th chapter, I believe it is, the 11th verse. It says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, nor the mighty man in his strength, or the rich man in his riches. But let them who glory glory in this, and they know and understand me, that I am the Lord of love and kindness, goodness, mercy, grace, etc. <clears throat> so you don't glory in riches, we don't glory in our wisdom, and we don't glory in our strength. We glory in the Lord. Thou, O Lord, art shield about me, the glory and the lifter of my head. We glorify God. Jesus said, Father, I have done the 17th chapter of John. Father, I have I have finished the word that you gave me to do. I gave these men your name, meaning I told them, I showed them your character, what you're about. And he says, now glorify the Son. Whoa, Jesus want to be glorified? Yes, so that the Son may glorify you. And we can share in the glory that we had before the world was. You get that? Jesus came to glorify his Father. His prime directive and nothing else was done. He was to glorify his father. 
And yes, his death, burial, and resurrection glorified God the Father. Sola de la Gloria, as believers, as Christians, the essence of the Christian life then, to answer the question that we started out with, was the chief end of man, is to glorify God. So ask yourself, when you're making decisions in life, will this glorify God or bring dishonor to him? Maybe it won't necessarily glorify him, but you definitely don't want to bring any dishonor. But we live our lives to glorify God and say, God, how can I glorify you? How can I exalt you? How can I lift your name on high? Worship is one way we do that. But then how can I live my life in such a way that it's a reflection of you, that it brings glory to your name? Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they can see your good works. See, the world can't see your faith. But if you let your light, that faith, be reflected in your good works, and then they can glorify your Father which is in heaven. You bring glory to God in heaven when you people see your good works. That's one of the ways that you glorify God. That's the essence of the Christian life. This prosperity gospel is not glorifying to God because it makes everything about you. I'm getting my stuff. I'm blabbing and grabbing it. I'm getting what I need. You know, um, I'm declaring and decreeing. And it all becomes about you. Meantime, God is not being glorified because you're selfish and you're always asking God to do something for you. But you never say to yourself, what can I do for you? Lord, how can I please you today? How can I glorify you today? How can I live for you today? How can I magnify you today? Stop putting yourself first. Put Christ first. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Take no thought, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Put God first. Glorify God. Live for him. And the Bible says all these other things will be added to you. Give him glory. Thou, O Lord, are worthy to receive glory, honor, power, might, and thanksgiving. Because you have created all things, and for your pleasure they were created. We're made to bring pleasure to the heart of God. Let's live a life that brings that's pleasing to him, that puts a smile on his face, on his face, and that glorifies him. God bless. Once again, I want to thank you all for this, listening to this edition of The Sword and the Spirit. I'm very grateful to all those of you who listen to it, who, and hopefully it's a blessing to you and you've learned some things from it. This podcast is not about me being right or always right. It's a podcast about stirring up the body of Christ and getting us to think and maybe rethink some things and maybe have starting to have some real conversations about things that we're doing. And maybe we need to make maybe we need to make some changes, but then again, maybe we don't. But but have the conversation, and then to kind of take it from there. So that's what I really want to do, if nothing else, and to challenge you to dig a little deeper and think a little bit more analytically about what what it is we we say we believe and why we believe it, and why we do some of the things that we do. So that's very important, and hopefully um, that will be a blessing to you. So I thank you all for listening. Uh, for those of you who may want to uh, help out financially, that's fine. Um, you can go to the Spotify app and, and it'll give you information there. My cash app is there. Or you can uh, give on a regular monthly basis like $4 or something like that. That's fine if you're so inclined to do so. If you're not inclined to do so, I, I love everybody. I will never stop doing these podcasts, and uh, whether I, I, you know, people help me financially or not, that's it's all good. This podcast will continue until somehow, <laughs> maybe I might say something and they'll probably ban me or something. But, um, but yeah, definitely. And uh, but I'm I'm thankful for anybody who takes the time. If you take the time out from your busy day, so those are hours you can't get back. And so I work very hard to say something that's worth your time. Because I respect your time and and that you you know you've got things that you'd like to be doing too. So to take an hour plus out of your day and say I'm, I want to hear what his brother's got to say, hopefully it'll be a blessing to you and it'll strengthen you. Just keep me in prayer. I, I want to get some more interviews lined up, but it just takes time and planning. 
and uh, sometimes that, that seems to kind of work against me. Uh, yes, I work 12-hour days, and then uh, I might have, I only have really one day out of the week to do some things that I need to do. So just keep me in prayer, because I want to level this thing up and really give you something quality and something that will be a blessing to you. And you say, man, I'm so glad I took that time out to listen to this, because I'm really getting some things out of it. And it's really challenging me and motivating me. Um to you know live the kind of life that God has called us to. So God bless you and again thank you for listening. And uh also I want to mention I did a podcast with my wife Cynthia on healing. If you haven't listened to that one, how God healed her from multiple sclerosis and Gillian Beret, uh then you want to listen to that. It's in uh, Cynthia Rhymer. So uh listen to the podcast and be blessed, stay strong. Stay healthy and God willing, God spare my life. We will have another episode of the Sword and Spirit next week or maybe sooner. It depends. I'm trying to decide whether I should do just once a week or maybe uh, double up on it. But we'll see. God bless you and thank you so very much. And please subscribe and like. If nothing else, just subscribe and hit the like button. And uh, or when we go to, to uh, Spotify, give it a five-star rating. God bless you and thank you very much.